Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all social media. And we're right here in New York City. And Google is down and America's been hacked. And it turns out that we've been hacked with this cyber attack for months. Looks like Trump was right to fire the CIA chief, Caesar. I'm going to call that Caesar. The Caesar chief, Chris Krebs. At the time, he was saying, this is America's safest election. We've never seen a more secure election in American history. Yeah, right, bro. Anyway, not only did he screw up the election security, but according to Fox Business Channel, there's a report saying that he's screwed up the cybersecurity at the Department of Commerce and Treasury servers, where they were hacked months ago and have been monitored for months through their Microsoft 360 email system. Now, I think this is interesting because... Clearly, this is a huge deal. Charlie Gasparino from Fox Business Channel uh, put this out yesterday saying that they learned that the U.S. government has finally uh, acknowledged reports that hackers backed by a foreign government have breached the U.S. Treasury Department as well as the Commerce Department. And here's the quote. The United States government is aware that these reports are accurate, and we're taking all necessary steps to identify and remedy any possible issues related to the situation. And that's the National Security Council spokesman, John Alyot. Now, according to Reuters, the elaborate cyber hack was launched on the Treasury Department, as well as the Commerce Department, and specifically their National Telecommunications and Information Administration. Man, it's hard to keep up with all these departments and sections and this and that and letters. This one's known as the NTIA. I don't have a name for that one yet. NTIA. Anyway, U.S. agency that is tasked with crafting internet telecommunications policy. Oh, it makes sense. If that's our telecom policy people and you want to strike it down, screw us over a little bit. Sources told the outlet that the hack was so serious it led to a national security meeting on Saturday. Hackers reportedly used the organization's Microsoft Office 365 platform to monitor staff and members' emails for months. Now, just a quick aside, I happen to use that Microsoft 365. I really don't like it either. It's a real pain in the butt. It's supposed to be super secure, but apparently not. A Treasury Department spokesperson deferred to comment to the NSC. A spokesperson for the Commerce Department said that the breach did occur, and it's asking the CISA, CISA, and the FBI to investigate, but declining to comment any further on the matter. A Microsoft spokesperson said no comment. 
the Department of Homeland Security Cyber Chief and their agency, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, said in a statement that the agency has been working closely with its partners regarding, quote, recently discovered activity on government networks. And the article goes on to say a few different things. But it ends with the announcement comes less than a month after President Donald Trump fired Christopher Krebs, the nation's top cybersecurity official. Krebs, who oversaw CISA, was responsible for leading the effort to protect U.S. selections. Now, they conveniently leave out in that piece that, or they leave it for the imagination, right? They don't clearly point it out like I did. Trump was right to fire this guy. Clearly, there was so many problems related to this stuff. Like always, Trump says it, does it. Oh, he's being rash. He's being this. He's being that. Bravo, Sierra. B.S. What's really going on is that Trump can smell it a mile away. He's been in business for a long time. So when this guy Krebs is like, no, 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 this is absolutely fine. No, we've got everything under control. This is characteristic of people that are looking out to CYA for themselves. They're only concerned about themselves. They're not concerned with their guy. Let's say the president, for example. This guy Krebs was put in by the president. The president brought him in. He wasn't looking out for Trump. He was looking out for himself. He was being selfish, trying to cover. No, no, no. This was the most select, uh, the secure election, the most secure election in American history. Most secure ever. No, no, no. Everything was fine. I didn't do anything wrong. Then he goes on CBS 60 Minutes and says more of the same. No, well, no, because, you know, this is I did. I'm perfect. I'm great. I'm super. And it's that guy's fault. And they're like, yeah, but that guy's the president. Like, this is his show. He's the guy. No, 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 no. I did the right thing. But you're out of a job now. Yeah, but I still did the right thing. Clearly, Mr. Krebs has not learned what his job really was. He served at the pleasure of the president. He was there to defend America's cyber infrastructure. He failed on both ends. He threw the president under the bus and he didn't get the job done. Loyalty doesn't exist for Mr. Krebs. Mr. Krebs is a sellout and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And now it's become evident. Now, that's not the only thing. There's a a couple of other stories out there that are really good. There's more on this hack. Let me see if I could find the other piece that I wanted to share with you, because the the uh, the big piece, at least in my opinion, that goes on with this hack is that now they're finding that some of the vendors that were also affected as part of this overall hack did a lot of business with the Dominion voting machine company and the related companies. And this is a really tangled web, you know, so it's like they can say, oh, no, 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 they didn't do any business with us here at Dominion. And it turns out that it would be a company that's related to Dominion and other subsidies, subsidiary of theirs. And then they'll say, oh, but you, so they can, to make the case, right? I'm just, I'm kind of ahead of myself. In effect, they want to be able to have that plausible deniability and say, no, 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 this wasn't me. I didn't do it. Not, not at all. Full well knowing that the company that they own is the one that's doing it. And in effect, I made this comment uh, about a week ago, and I said, it's kind of like me going, oh, I didn't do a damn thing. Nope, wasn't me. Standing next to my wife when I know that my wife did it. Now, of course, there's rules of self-incrimination and all that. But the point is, that's being shady. That's being shady when you know that you're doing something with your left hand and go, my right hand didn't do a damn thing. That's what's happening here. And little by little... The onion is getting peeled back and we're seeing more about what's going on with what and with who. And this is important. 
And that's why the president's front and center. And over the weekend, he spoke with Brian Kilmeade and he had a few things to say. He came out. He spoke about why we need to move forward, why this is important. And again, a lot of it is stuff you've heard, but some of it has a a new context around it because today is the big day, right, for Electoral College. But we just heard in the news break prior to the show that those votes will be cast today, but they won't be counted until January 6th. And that really is the big day where senators can say to the representatives that are going to be accepting these, they can say, we're challenging that. And just a quick reminder that the president of the United States Senate is the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence. So it will be interesting to see how that stuff plays out. I'm not casting any conspiracy theories. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it's interesting. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because this is a, a highly contested election. While the media may have concluded it, it's still very much an open question from the perspective of the White House and everybody that voted for Trump, which happens to be a whole lot of people, 74 million people. So I think that's a big number of people that you do not want to disenfranchise. So keep it locked right there. We're going to talk about were there any voting irregularities in Suffolk County, New York? Hmm. Plus, Dershowitz joined uh, John Katz and Matidis on the Katz Roundtable right here on Talk Radio 107.1 FM and WABC. And I want to play you a little clip of that because he made some really good points about big tech. But keep it locked right there because we're not done yet. In fact, we're just getting started. Again, I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all social media. You're listening to This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. And Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. We're going to get into Hunter. But first, somebody sent me this really interesting... I get lots of... um, Really interesting messages, private messages, emails, all sorts of stuff. And one of the ones that I got from somebody over the weekend was, or on Friday, was about the vote counts in Suffolk County. And I'm going to get to that. I also want you to hear from uh, Alan Dershowitz sitting down with John Katz and Matidis on the Katz Roundtable telling us why we should not trust big tech. Plus, General Flynn was on Fox News saying that there's clear evidence of fraud with the the Dominion machines. And I'm going to get to that in a minute as well. And, of course, the president reiterating that it's not over and we, as Americans, deserve a free and a fair election. And I agree with that 100%. I want you to hear what Alan Dershowitz from America's Dream Team, of course, you know, he's a defense attorney, he's a constitutional scholar from Harvard, uh, Professor Emeritus now, who represented O.J. Simpson, was part of the Dream Team, along with uh, Kim Kardashian's dad, Robert Kardashian, and... um, Man, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. <laughs> the guy who started LegalZoom, the founder of LegalZoom, and of course, the infamous and uh, late great Johnny Cochran, who got who made up the Dream Team. Bob Shapiro, right? Bob Shapiro, and uh, I can't believe I forgot that. But yeah, these guys were legendary. I mean, talk about the Dream Team that got OJ off the hook. So it's always interesting to lend 
an ear when they have something to say, right or wrong. You know, I mean, everybody can have an opinion that's that's wrong every now and again, or they can have an opinion that's right. But I think the analysis is valuable either way so that you can look at things from a different perspective. And in this case, I think it's it's a warning on why big tech, and now it really is big tech. Like, you know, it's, oh, it's not like big pharma. No, I think it's worse. Big tech is scrubbing things. YouTube is removing anything saying, if you say, I believe the election was contested, YouTube's going to remove that. And they're going to say that it's fake, phony fraud. And that's not cool. Because as Americans, we would expect for our companies, all be them private companies, that they would at least honor and follow in the tradition of the Constitution. Now, of course, within your private establishment, you know, and while we're at work, I don't have free speech rights at work, although even though I walk, I work in the radio and I use my free speech, I'm entitled to free speech under the Constitution outside of work, on the street, in the public square. I'm standing in a private square right now. It just so happens that my employer believes in free speech and they don't censor me and they don't tell me, hey, don't do this and don't do that. And that's how it works here. But some people are censored in their place of employment. So my point is, it's important that we look at big tech and we don't just talk about it today and then wait till the next egregious thing happens and then talk about it again and talk about how we need to remove Section 230 protections when we know full well we have to handle this problem. And not to be extreme, but I think one of the few examples in history that we have, we have Obama a couple of years ago trying to jail members of the uh, Associated Press and Fox News who were going against him. And in effect, he didn't do it based on big tech or big media. He did it saying that they were violating the Espionage Act, which was a stretch, and it didn't fly. But that was his attempt to do it in a fascistic way. I think we need to do this in a very legal way, in the appropriate way, in a constitutional way, which Lincoln did, although it was in a time of war, when he started saying, you know what, you guys are ripping the country apart, and he jailed publishers and put them in jail in the 1860s. Now, I'm not saying that we should do that either, but I do think we should change some of these protections so that people cannot blatantly lie or just cover half of a story and create a truth for billions of users on social media that is not even a real truth. It is moral relativism run amok. All that being said, listen to Alan Dershowitz with John Katsimatidis. talked about the, the big media, the Googles of the world, the uh, Instagrams, the Twitters of the world, calling their own shots and redirecting it the way they want to direct it. And uh, it involves advertising on whoever side they're on to hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. What what should we do uh, with uh, those people in the future? I mean, we're limited to giving $2,800 per federal candidate. They yeah. are spending hundreds of millions sometimes. Yeah, and they're getting a lot of it back through advertising as well. So it's a it's a neat deal. Look, the one thing that has to change is Section 230, which gives these so-called platforms immunity from any kind of lawsuit. And it gave them the immunity because they're supposed to be just platforms. Anything goes. But now you have Google YouTube saying, no, we don't like people who tell us that the election may have been unfair. We're taking that down. And then Facebook says, we don't like this. And Twitter says, we don't like attacks on Hunter Biden. And once you act as a publisher, you're a publisher. You know what it means. I mean, you are a publisher. Um, you can be sued because you're a publisher. But they're platforms, and they can't be platforms and at the same time act like publishers. They should have to check a box. 
You're going to be a platform, no censorship. If you're not going to be a platform, you don't get immunity. But you can't both have censorship and get immunity at the same time. That's just not fair and not right. I think he's absolutely correct. And really, because this isn't an opinion, I think he was making a statement of fact. Making a statement that would just was real. Those things are all true. You know, it's funny. The first time somebody explained how Section 230 worked, it was the chairman of the FCC or FCC commissioner, Brendan Carr. And he explained to me that exactly what Dershowitz explained. But the example he used was when he used it for platform, he said, like back in the days when it was Alta Vista. Now, I remember Alta Vista, but I never used it. I remember just how the Internet worked. They were chat boards, you know, in essential threads, like comments under a social media post. But there was nothing. It was just like a comment or a question. And they would just make comment after comment after comment. There would be thousands of comments. And that was the Internet. That's how you did Internet, right? It was email and Internet. And occasionally there was like a masthead that had this headline story. And, of course, that evolved from the 90s to now. But you look at that and you say, absolutely. He just described one of the most precious rackets out there. You become a political organization and you raise unlimited amounts of money and then you invest it in social media advertising. So in effect, you're protected because you're YouTube, but you take in hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, from this political advertising And you're now this political juggernaut, very different from talk radio that doesn't take in all these billions and billions and billions. And this is kind of opt-in. Nobody has to to check my bank account. I got to go on the Internet. I don't have to go on YouTube or anywhere else. But the point is people can bypass the radio. Very few people are going to bypass anything on a smartphone because when you open it up, it'll show you what the latest Facebook thing is, what the latest... Google News is, what the latest uh, Apple News is, it feeds it right to you. And if it's censored or it's phony or it's fake or it's been influenced by the hundreds of billions of dollars that are going into it, or hundreds of millions at least, that are going into it for advertising for Biden, for Act Blue, for Black Lives Matter, for anybody, whatever movement they want to move, that means that it's money that influences. And we know that. That's simple. And this is business. Those are advertisers. I get it. I'm not saying, oh, you're spending more than we're spending, so you shouldn't have a right to speech. Not at all. I am saying that in the radio world, if I want to advertise on the radio and I'm a Republican and I'm running against someone and they want to advertise, the law says that we have to provide them with the same amount of commercials that they provide to me. It's called equal time. And that's a law. And every year for Election Day, that's why when you listen to Talk Radio 77 WABC or any other talk radio station, you'll hear ads for Democrats and ads for Republicans because it's regulated by the FCC. But somehow, the monstrously large, powerful, and influential Internet doesn't have to follow those rules. Google doesn't have to follow those rules. They can have Google ads that are 100% one-sided for Democrats and nothing for conservatives or any other opposing viewpoint. That's not cool. And I think that's why President Trump alludes to things and says things that Biden lied. 
because we heard that with John Katz and with Alan Dershowitz, that they didn't cover a single Hunter Biden story. Listen to what the president had to say. Well, everybody is. Who isn't disappointed? Right. Joe Biden lied on the debate stage. He said there's nothing happening, nothing happening. And Bill Barr should have stepped up. I agree. Bill Barr definitely should have stepped up because, well, that's his job, right? I mean, when you're the attorney general, your job is to look at stuff and bring a case if a case is needed on behalf of the government. Because, again, the government represents who? Raise your hand. Ding, ding, ding. We the people. So when the people are getting screwed, it's your job to step up and look a brother out. But that isn't always the case. Sadly, it's not the case. And we've seen this happen time and again. So good old where's Hunter is still the question. And, you know, there's all sorts of speculation out there. Some people think that, you know, he's working with the government. He's not working with the government. We do know Hunter Biden's been under criminal investigation for two years or maybe a little more than two years. That's a pretty big deal because typically, I mean, people get investigated all the time. They investigated Trump. They investigated his kids. And that's also multi-year. Now, why isn't that a big deal, Rich? Well, pretty much because those guys have kind of made it clear that there's no wrongdoing. That's the government alleging a point saying, we think you did this and them saying, well, here's the proof and we'll take it to court and nothing happens. Hunter Biden, the proof is out there. He literally forgot to forgot. I'm going to say forgot. I mean, I've never forgotten to disclose four hundred thousand dollars. I don't think I've ever had $400,000 other than maybe in property. But liquid cash, I've never been able to just be like, oh, I forgot I had that. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Come on, it doesn't work that way. Big tech isn't the only thing we have to worry about. There's a lot on the table right now. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. America deserved an honest election. This is what they got. Suitcases of ballots added in secret in Georgia. Dead people voting in Wisconsin. A money for vote scheme in Nevada. Poll watchers denied access in Pennsylvania. Faulty ballot drop boxes. And clerks facing felony charges in Michigan. The evidence is overwhelming. Call your legislators. Demand they fight for honest elections. That's right. Demand that they fight for honest elections. And just like our last caller, he was at the big MAGA rally for election integrity that went on Saturday in Washington, D.C., which sadly ended with some people getting stabbed at a location where Trump supporters are known to go and eat, which I thought was really horrible. But Antifa was out there in full effect doing what they do while Trump supporters were out there peacefully protesting this election. Now, that was in D.C. Here in New York, again, like I said, I got a really interesting note from somebody telling me about some uh, Suffolk County vote counts. And this is interesting because they were asking me, was there ballot stuffing in Suffolk County? 
with 107,753 more votes since 2016, 70% of those were for Biden, leaving Trump winning by only 232 votes after winning 46,619 votes in 2016. In 2020, there were 107,753 more votes, and Joe Biden got 77,000 more than Hillary Clinton did in 2016. How did that happen in just four years? How did they get so much growth? Now, some people say that's the hate Trump syndrome, that, you know, people hate Trump more than they like Biden. And because they hated Trump so much that they turned out in droves for Biden. Okay, but the tallies in 2016 were 350,571 by Trump versus 46,000. 619 for Hillary Clinton and the total there 303,951 so it just it really seems like a really big jump for what happened because Trump had a big lead on election night then it evaporated as happened in the other states that you know they've had multiple lawsuits on Trump and Pence barely beat Biden and Kamala Harris in Suffolk County yet they won The president won by 232 votes in Suffolk County, saying there was 381,253 votes for Biden. I know there's a lot of numbers I'm throwing at you, but I just found this really interesting because when you read it and you go, wow, yeah, that's interesting how they won Suffolk County, you know, did fantastic in Nassau County, yet Biden did extraordinarily well compared to Clinton. Now, I guess if you're like me and you look at that and you go, Hillary Clinton ran a more robust campaign. She was out there. She was passing out from dehydration, getting dragged into her van by her Secret Service people. That's how hard she worked. Even though she turned her uh, blind eye on a couple of swing states, and that, in my opinion, definitely hurt her. Biden didn't. He didn't show up. You're going to tell me we ran an entire election digitally? That every single person, you know, bought into to Biden or the media had that much influence. I mean, if they did, holy cow, we're in bad shape. We don't need government-sponsored media. We have Democrat-sponsored media straight through YouTube and every television channel. So I think that is a huge deal. And it's something that we have to look at because how on earth could that have happened? I mean, really just the amount of momentum that I saw going into this election And I got it from a lot of different places. I had people on the ground in Georgia, people on the ground in Michigan who weren't even Trumpers. At least one of them is. The other one isn't. The other one is, you know, conservative uh, Republican, but he's he's not super, you know, he's conservative when he feels like it, like economic policy, stuff like that. But he's like, oh, you want to marry gays? Go right ahead. You want to have abortions? Go right ahead. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about a lot of these social issues. So when, when, uh, when I say he's conservative, you know, it's with a grain of salt. He's one of these guys that just, you know, he really is middle of the road on things. And he was telling me, he called me super ridiculously late. I had been asleep for hours. He's like, bro, I think we're going to win Michigan. I think we're going to win Detroit for the first time, blah, 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 blah. He's he's from Detroit. He was born in Detroit. So I'm thinking, how the heck does this happen? Then you hear about these glitches. Then you hear about they investigate the glitches and they investigate the machines that were switching the votes from Biden to Trump. And they find out that it's not just a glitch, but there's more to it. So I'm looking at this from today, a couple hours ago. 
A judge in Michigan approves the release of Dominion forensic imaging. Last week, they allowed some voting machines, I think it was 22 voting machines, that were part of a referendum on smoking weed or selling weed or something like that. And they used those. The judge allowed Jenna Ellis and the Trump team to conduct a forensic audit on them to see how these machines work. I don't know if they're going to find any smoking gun evidence, but they just released that evidence. Check this out. So a judge in Michigan on Monday permitted the parties in a court case to release the results of the forensic imaging examination of Dominion Voting Systems machines with redactions of their code that makes the things work. It's a 23-page report published by Allied Security Operations Group. Blah, 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 blah. Dominion did not respond for comment. But 13th Circuit Judge Kevin Elsenheimer that's an interesting one. Kevin Elmerfudd agreed to remove protective order that was blocking the release. Now, you have to ask yourself, you read that sentence, you say, hmm, why on earth would they block the information? Why would they do? What was the purpose of this forensic audit? Well, why? Clearly, we want to see what happened. We want to go granular. We want to dig deep several layers down. What was the purpose of it? To find out what happened. So when you get the results, why would we say, we're not going to tell anybody in the public? When it was the public that was voting. I mean, to me, it's the public that brought this suit. When Jenna Ellis and these people, they may re- represent the Trump campaign, but make no mistake, the campaign was all about we the people, even the Democrats campaign. I mean, even if Biden was running for himself, for his relationship with China to make more money, the patina of him running for to represent the Democrat voters and voters that wanted him as president is still representative of we the people. So to block this, I think, is crazy. But the judge um, was blocking the request of Matthew DiPerno, who's the attorney uh, on the case, saying that the Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson's office, said they didn't want to do it, but eventually they did. So they pushed and they pushed. And, you know, he said, quote, we believe that the public interest in seeing what we discovered in this report would outweigh any potential harm to Dominion software. So he made the argument. The assistant attorney general criticized the lawyer for even giving an interview, saying the secretary of state has been prejudiced by the premature disclosure of the preliminary report. We just wanted to review the preliminary report and present a counter argument at the same time. So he's making the case. You put out the facts, but we don't want you putting out the facts Why? Well, because we want to be able to spin the facts. We want to give you our side of the story. And how how can I call my buddies in the media to cover for me if you're going to put out the facts and people will have access to the actual information before I tell them what I want them to believe? That's what he's saying. Good thing you have me to translate for you. Because this is absolutely, uh, to me, I'm I'm experiencing incredulity right now. (laughs) And that's rare because I usually expect these guys to be liars and cheaters. Anyway, Benson didn't oppose the distribution of the report, ultimately provided that the Secretary of State can release its own counter-argument, is what they're saying. So again, translation, you can put the story out, but only once my I can hit send on my thing to my friends at CNN and at the state newspapers. This way, they're getting my side of the story first, because they're used to leaking. That's how they work. It's a culture of lies. It's a culture of leaking. This is how they do it. This is how they roll. Anyway. The order came in, Bailey versus Antrim County, and they went for it. 
the error in reporting unofficial results in Antrim County was the result of a user error. Stand by. User error. So now user error means that's not a glitch, right? A glitch is when you go into your phone and it doesn't work and you have to hit refresh or turn it off and turn it back on. That's a glitch. User error sounds like a nice way of saying this guy screwed up or this guy did the wrong thing. But anyway, the error in reporting unofficial results in Antrim County, Michigan, was the result of user error that quickly identi- that was quickly identified and corrected, Benson said in a statement last night. Now, something else that we learned about Michigan last night, and I tweeted it out if you want to check out my Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on all social media. But one of the things that I found was in, uh, I forget the name of that county, but the sweaty guy, the guy who kept sweating every time they were asking him, the elections chief, Richard Barron, I forget which county he's with, Fulton County, Fulton County elections chief. He made a statement yesterday and said, look, we go through the adjudication process on ballots whenever there's a ballot in question. So if you maybe marked two candidates or whatever, get this, they adjudicated, it's usually something like less than 20%, 10%, 94% of the Fulton County votes were adjudicated and they also all happened to go for Biden. Isn't that crazy? So more on that as this story develops. There's craziness with voting machines. There's craziness with the electoral college freakout that's going on right now. Mitch McConnell going absolutely insane, praising and congratulating Joe Biden as President Select. We're going to get to that in the next edition of This Is America. Hasta la próxima. I always say, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph, that's Sir Edmund Burke and Lord Acton and others who said that, is for good people like you to do nothing. So make sure you do something, know something, read something. Stand up, rise up. This is the time to fight for America. We've never seen anything like this. Until the next one, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 